Last week, we talked about um, losing ground, losing ground when it came to our relationship with Jesus. And, um, and we did like this little zero to 10 kind of aspect. And we, we came before God and basically said, God, we want to regain the ground that we lost in our relationship with you. We've lost some ground because of life, because of different things, and our relationship is not maybe the best that it's ever been. And so we, we were uh, hopefully convicted to step into a, a, a path that basically says that I'm going to take back the ground that I lost with, uh, in my relationship with God. Um, if you were here yesterday, did that really help, and how was your week? Do you feel like you've really been, you know, like... like it, it, <laughs> What typically happens is that you make this commitment and everybody's standing up and saying yes, and then uh, come Sunday after church, Satan attacks you right away, right? Or, or Monday, you're like bombarded with the weirdest things. And, 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 so, and what that means is, is that's like a test to say, did you mean what you said when everybody was saying the same thing? And so some of us kind of like got knocked down and then pick, our, pick, pick back picked ourselves back up and said, no, I'm not going to let that stop me. Others of us got knocked down and said, well, yeah, it was worth a shot. And I would like to challenge you, don't have that mindset. If you get knocked down, it's okay. Get back up. If you stop pursuing, begin pursuing today. Many of you started reading the, 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 the chronological Bible as a church in a year, we're like, we're like in the New Testament now, finally, you know, it's like, woo, we've done through the Old Testament, but maybe you've dropped out months ago, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to wait till next year. Don't wait till next year. Start today. Start today. I would like to challenge each and every person that if you quit reading, start to read today and finish the, this year out. Many of us are waiting for God to tell us the next thing, and God's like, you're neglecting the last thing. And so we're fighting to move forward, to take new ground. And God's like, you need to reclaim and recover the ground that you lost. And so today I want to talk about something that's, that, I'm, that just brings like fuel to my body and to my mind. Because I think this is so vital. And, um, and, and this is an issue in, in the church culture and in life, in life's culture. But what I want to talk about today is passion passion we all know in life that we've had passion for certain things and now we have lost passion in those same things that we were so passionate about before um have you guys ever observed couples who are in love like when you go out somewhere and you see this like couple uh, and they're like kind of like you know looking at each other like the world doesn't matter and work who cares about work i got you baby you know <laughs> I, uh, I want to be with you every single day and night from sunset to sundown. That kind of like feeling, you know, and, and we're like, like dude, you got to go to work. I understand your passion is speaking what you really are feeling. But, but those are so, so awesome to, you know, to, to watch when uh, this new couple, this young couple, they're like looking in each other's eyes, right? And you're like, oh, that is so cool. And, and for me, like, I'm, uh, you know, I marry people. And so whenever they come and say, hey, we want to get married, you know, I'm always, my first step is to always encourage them and to inspire them and to root for them, you know. And, and they don't need me to, but, but I do it anyways because I know that, that love, what we're, the, the, 
the thing that they're getting ready to step into is not really the thing that they're thinking that they're stepping into. <laughs> All the married people are like, dang, where were you when I got married? Because um, life has its challenges. That's what we call it life, right? Like things happen and things are not always as they seem or, 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 or as we want them to be. And so, so this passion that, that we start a relationship up with, this passion, it begins to die down through the years. And, and I'm, you know, and for me, and this is what, this is so powerful about, about reclaiming something, about making gains on something that was lost. As much as I enjoy new couples who have like fallen in love and are passionate about all of what they're getting ready to step into and, and what they're dreaming about, what's even more amazing and more inspiring to me is to watch a couple that has done and dealt with life and still sit down, hold hands and look each other in the face. Like to me that is like more and more precious why because they've they they've they were they have a crying baby way in the back and i don't know if that's an agreement or please don't tell me the truth um but what, what happens is is is, is that they fell in love they've experienced passion they've experienced love and life hit them over and over and over and over again and after so many years they can still look at each other and say man i'm still passionate for you and there's something so rewarding to see that in people's lives. And almost that second love or that love that's been through hell and back is actually even more powerful and even more valuable than the first original love. Like if you think about it, love is not something that you just feel into. And in America, that's the lie that we believe, right? We just fall in love and then we fall out of love. You know, but the truth is that love is a continual choice. Passion is not the absence of suffering or and passion is not feeling. Passion is actually, it, it, passion is what we're willing to suffer through. That's the real passion. When Jesus was dying his last week on earth, we call it the passion week. Why? <laughs> because he was suffering for something that he was passionate about. And so passion creates a level of suffering that we typically won't, won't get anywhere else. And so in life, when we lose passion, what we're saying is that we are not going to suffer through what we suffered through before. It's a powerful thought because a lot of times when we think of passion, we think of charisma. Maybe you think of me coming up here and saying, let's be passionate, guys. Woo! You know? And... Um, that is part of it, but there's, there's just an, an emotional response, and I, am, and I may be passionate about it, but passion is about longevity. Passion is about faithfulness. It's about suffering knowing the end that you're trying to attain. And so whenever you look at someone, and we don't understand why they're suffering through what they're suffering through, because we're like, I, I would never be able to do that. Of course you wouldn't, because that's not your passion. Someone, and I use this a lot, someone who goes to the gym, they're going to be passionate about the gym. They have to go through suffering. Me, I suffered long enough. <laughs> I know you can't tell. Um, but, but suffering is part of passion. And so some people are just willing to go longer through it than, um, than others. And it's not a bad thing. It just means that, that we, we are passionate about different things. In a business, when you're starting a business, you, 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 you generate a ton of passion to pursue it. You'll take all sorts of risk 
you, you, you make all sorts of decisions that people looking at you be like, that is really foolish. And you're like, it's not to me. Passion is so powerful like that where it, it grabs us and it just like, it pushes us through those tough, tough moments that we normally wouldn't be able to go through unless it was passion. So it's like, what are we willing to suffer through? And I think it's really sad because we lose passion for different things, for our business, for our dreams, even lose passion for one another in our relationship with our spouses, with our kids. And so people lose passion. They call it falling out of love. And then what we typically do when, when that happens, we cut and run. And when we cut and run, then we don't get to fully experience what could have been. And I understand there are certain things, there are certain relationships that I'll be the first one to tell you, cut and run. So there has to be wisdom. It's not just like every suffering in my life is God-ordained and because it's passion. No, a lot of the suffering maybe that you're going through is on you. You sin. You miss the mark. You make poor decisions. We think we, we want this and when we get it, we're disappointed. We follow our own selfish ambitions, chasing after things, and then we get disappointed. So some of the suffering is, is, is self-inflicted. Say, yes, yes, that is true. But we cannot deny the fact that, that we lose this passion along life's journey. And I'd like to read a few passages just to kind of see how, how this really pertains, and specifically in our case, our passion for Jesus. Our passion to go after Jesus with all that we have. Like that's something that we may not think about because we have associated our pursuit of Jesus with a worship song. With a feeling that produces human bumps. Like if those things happen, then I'm going to pursue Jesus. But when things are not happening, then our, our passion is like, eh. And then we try to reinstill this passion into our kids. And our kids are looking at us like, yeah, I'm not buying what you're selling because you're not convincing. You speak beautiful words, but I see that you're passionless with what you're trying to get me to be passionful about. And as parents, we miss that. And I see this all the time. You know, people dictate to their children, you know, don't do this, don't do this, stay on course. But then whenever life hits the parents hard, they do exactly what they told their kids not to do. And those are so painful because what happens is that we have lost sight of where we're going. And it's so easy for us to tell you to be passionate about God when we are passionate about God. But it's just as easy for us to dismiss your apathy when we are apathetical. Because we are, we're seeing things through our lens. So if I'm passionate, you better be passionate. But if I'm like giving up, then, then what am I, I going to tell you? Yeah, just drop it. Who cares? There's other better things. And we think we're giving people good advice. But truthfully, what we're doing is we're giving them advice through our lens. And this is why scripture addresses this. Matthew 24, 12, it says this. And here's where it all kind of like how it plays out. Matthew 24, 12, there will be such an increase of sin 
And a lot of times we think of sin as just, you know, adultery and fornication and homosexuality and abortion and, and, and lying and cheating and all these things that we're like, you know, we, we have decided or not decided that these are sin. So, we're, so, so now we're reading this and we're like, well, maybe that's not me. But if you think of sin as missing the mark, you can reread this by saying there will be such a time and increase when people m miss the mark and the lawlessness of those uh, hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. You are not passionate after God because you are missing the mark somewhere in your life. And that is triggering apathy instead of passion. So you wake up on Sunday morning and you're like, do I feel like going to church? I don't know. Do I feel like reading my Bible? We'll see. Do I feel like, do I feel like, do I feel like? The reason we're doing it is because sin has crept in and somewhere in our life we have missed the mark and we are settling and normalizing our lack of passion specifically for God. But here's the thing, we only see this one word, passion for God. But there's this other word that says passion for God and others. Those who are connected. When you begin to go after God, you're not going to be wanting to go after people either. Revelation chapter 2 verse 4 through 5. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. And verse 5, think about how far you have fallen. How far I have fallen. Repent. Sin, repentance. You missed the mark. You change your thinking. Repent. And do the works of love you did at first. And this is where it kind of comes down to like when you first like fall in love and you're passionate. Go back to that. Revisit that. Remember how you started. Because how you started is the passion that you had to do what you did. And life hit you upside your head. And you've fallen far. And some of us have fallen further than others. So we all need to step back and repent and do the works of love that you did at first. I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. And the influence if you do not repent. But God loves me. It has nothing to do with whether God loves you or not. These are some powerful, powerful words, powerful, powerful scriptures. So let's look at a little heart check today. Zero, apathy. Ten, passion. In relationship to your passion for God, for the things of God, for who Jesus is, for scripture, for community, for growth. If zero is apathy, where you're like, I don't care. And 10 is like, I cannot be any more passionate than this. Take a second right now and put a number between zero and 10. Where are you? Okay, now do the same thing, but do it more realistically. 
I know you hit like seven or eight, and God's like, no, you're like a four, buddy. <laughs> if you don't do a self-check that's genuine and transparent and honest, you will never know what you need to do right. to move forward. And Satan will always tell you that you're better than you really are. And God's like, I want for you to be honest because you can be and you will be better than you are. But you cannot go from a lie to truth like that. You have to deal with the current truth that you're living and facing right now. You have to go back and reclaim what you've lost. But where are you in the passion scale? Zero to ten. And like I said last week, if you're anywhere from zero to ten, that means that you and I have lost ground in our passion for the things of God. You may have been so generous, you're like, I'm an eight. That's great, but you're not at ten or eleven. That means somewhere along the way you've lost a small, port of, a small portion of it or a large portion of it. And you're walking around, and I'm walking around justifying our apathy. Who's ever done that? Who's ever justified your own apathy? We do it all the time. We really do, because we want to feel good about ourselves. Be positive. And Jesus is like, listen, I will take things away from you if you don't repent. And he's not just like trying to be like a mean dad. He's just saying that, that the, the course that you're on, it's actually going to produce the thing that I'm telling you right now. It's going to kill the things that need to come to life and bring to life the things that need to be killed. And here's why we, we settle specifically when it comes down to our relationship with God. This is why we settle with apathy. Because apathy masquerades itself as maturity. I don't need to raise my hand. Me and God, we cool. I don't need to sing to God. I'm just, I just don't do that. I don't need to be loud in worship because that's just not my character style. Liar. What if we say, I'm not raising my hand because I've lost passion for God? What if we say, I don't feel like coming to church because I've lost my passion for God? What if we say, I lost my passion, not because of my maturity or lack of maturity. I lost passion because there's things in my life. There's are sins in my life. There are gaps in my life that God wants to deal inside of me, with me, so that I could not be in zero to ten on this scale, but surpass ten and say, I'm, I'm going to pursue to be the most passionate I've ever been about God in my life. But we have to look at what we've lost we have to go back and assess the ground that we lost and many people are not wanting to do that many people just move on to the next newest thing in their life hoping to suppress all the things that they did not deal with and eventually it catches up to them and it's multiplied by a hundred. It's kind of like in married, in married situations. The little things are the things that, that break the camel's back. Those things where you're like, but, but I forgot to close the door. And why are you exploding? Well, we all know that a person's not going to explode because someone forgot their, to close a door. 
You know how men could be, I'm paying for the electricity in this house. Or parents, kids, you know. But, and I t actually, this is even a better example. I, uh, with, with our kids, we have four adorable kids and four pets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, got, <laughs> we got three parakeets and a uh, dog. And, uh, wow, well, we're missing a cat. No, I don't think, no. <laughs> um, but, the, yeah, if we got the cat, then we wouldn't have the birds, so we have to choose. That's right. <laughs> but I, I, I see this thing that, like, for me, like, I get really frustrated with my kids. And, and, um, and Noah, my oldest, you know, He's always challenging me, like, why are you so frustrated with me? I'm only, I've only come to ask you this and this and this, or I only forgot to do this and this and this. And so, and, and you know, kind of caught me off guard because I'm like, man, I am, I'm, I'm always so frustrated. And so I begin to explain to him, and it's more than even to him. I end up explaining it to myself because I'm like, listen, Noah, if, if it was just you who did this one thing or just came and interrupted me this one time, you know, every hour or 40 or hour and a half or two, then it's one thing. But you have to understand, as soon as you leave, another one's coming through the door with the same mindset and whenever they leave a third one comes in so by the time you come back to me I've already dealt with the thing like six or seven or eight times with the other kids that you did not see and so uh, the the whole situation is like explosion you know and and, <laughs> and that's what happens so God's like listen deal with go back deal with what you what you've lost deal with why you explode deal with what's going on these little things in our life lead us to a place where we're, 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 we're just like apathetic to to the things of God. The song they didn't sing, someone did not call me, someone did not take me out, they offended me, they whatever, whatever, the pastor said something that I'm offended about, you know, which never happens here, but in other churches. Um, <laughs> and so we find all these excuses and reasons, and, and, and we know that it's not that one thing that's just accumulation of all these things. And Jesus is saying, you think those are those things, but you're lying to yourself. It's not those things, it's you. There's something disconnected within you. And see, passion has its cycles. So when you get married first, there's like the cycle of getting married, you know, go, moving towards your wedding day, right? And um, it's, it's like this anticipation. We're like anticipating something. You have this level of expectation, like this is something's going to happen to me, amazing. Then you begin to anticipate as you move towards it. It's anticipation. And then once you anticipate and, you, and, you, and then you get it, then it becomes like your honeymoon stage, right? Ooh, life is bliss, and that's what, and that's, that's, that's wherever these people who are, who know that you're in your honeymoon stage, they come and say, hey, hey, we have this amazing deal um, that you can have a house on the beach, um, uh, and 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 you can pay for it, and it's really cheap, and you can come and and live here anytime you want throughout the year. Wouldn't that be nice? And we're like, yeah, yeah, you know, guys, what I'm talking about? <laughs> Times. Oh, you guys been there? <laughs> yeah. or you know someone who's like hey i want to give you something for for christmas <laughs> you just want a free vacation so so and those people they know that you're on your honeymoon and on your honeymoon that's they feed you all sorts of things because that's part of the passion cycle but then after your honeymoon what happens is that things begin to become normal normalcy we normalize our life our things we can get into this you know this this pattern of of just living life going to work telling your wife you love her you know doing this watching this hanging out here or not and slowly life begins to pound 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 and you don't even realize that you don't have passion for one another 
because you're too busy focusing on life and that has become our normal who knows what i'm talking about it happens to all of us in every area of our life no matter what kind of business you're starting no matter if you're getting married with church it's all across the board there is a cycle for passion but then what makes it even worse is once you normalize this almost like passionless way of doing life <laughs> you know when it rains it pours cats and dogs a whole nine yards you enter this into this desert place where you're like there's a drought and now you're getting depressed now when you see someone passionate about something you begin to resent them and you begin to dislike them and bitterness creeps within our hearts because we say God why are you blessing them and not me why am I in my in the desert and they are on their honeymoon there you go they're on their honeymoon you're looking at someone else's stage of life and comparing your stage of life with their stage of life and it doesn't match up and it's not going to match up and when we hit the desert this is where we're like yeah who cares who cares and this is where apathy really just grabs a hold of us because that's what it is it's this mindset of who cares I don't care and it's in the simplest things um hey honey let's go eat somewhere right where you want to go I don't care anywhere so for a second it's apathy because the truth is yes honey you care because every time I suggest where I want to go eat all of a sudden you care <laughs> I didn't tell you this was a marriage series <laughs> And a lot of times we're so focused on trying to get out of the desert and that is where our focus is instead of looking to the promised land and realizing that we're walking through the desert because it is part of a cycle but the promised land that when we first started with passion it's leading to a place where we were willing to suffer through for all this time and now that we've hit the desert a word for a lot of people here and maybe for you specifically is that keep walking keep going I know you may have lost your passion for now begin to think about it in this term and say God I need to regain my passion I need to begin to focus on the things that used to bring me passion in my time in the desert and I know when we're in a desert we feel like we're the only ones and the question is that we're always asking is why right why me reminds me of my kids why me why but really and God's looking at us like my children you're asking me the same questions that your children ask you and you feel how childish they are and yet you feel like you're so mature <laughs> and then uh, what makes it worse is we then say how long how long am I gonna be here and we create our time window and whenever the time window passes we even get more depressed more hopeless and the devil the devil comes along and says see you're the only one and but when you begin to evaluate yourself you're like okay God let me do a, a heart check 
Are there areas in my life, the things in my life that I used to do and I don't do anymore? And why have I stopped? Joshua 14. And we talked about this with, um, with Jimmy a few weeks back. And there's something in there that, um, that I did not see. But when reading it for this, it kind of just like leaped. And I think it'll leap for you as well. And hopefully, maybe shock you out of your mindset right now. And begin to move our mindset into the promise. In the promised land that God has for us. But Joshua chapter 14, verses 6 through 12. Please don't listen to me read, but just read it with me. The people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgad, Gilgal. Caleb, son of Jephanan and Kenazite, spoke. You'll remember what God said to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me back in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of God, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. So whenever Joshua was sent with a, tw with a 12 spies, he was 40 years old at that time. 40 years old. And I brought back an honest and accurate report. He did right. He was, he was given a task. He fulfilled it. He was honest. He did the right thing. My companions who went with me discouraged the people, but I stuck to my guns totally with God. Not just the God of Moses, but my God. That was the day that Moses solemnly promised. And here's a promise. The land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance. You and your children's forever. Yes. You have lived totally for God. That's a big, big win. Now he's saying, look at me. I love this. God has kept me alive. Amen. God has kept me alive. As he promised, it is now, read this out loud. <laughs> right? Hold on, hold on, hold on. I, could, I didn't know what to read afterwards either because when I said, when I read, it is now 45 years since God spoke this word to Moses. Wow. We're saying, God, you promised me four hours ago. Tick tock, tick tock. God, I'm six months into this. Where, where, where are you at? God, I'm two years into it. Where are you at? God, God, it's been five years. Come on. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm in the desert. I'm this and this. But look at Joshua. Look at what he said. He's saying, I was already 40 years old, which is like midlife crisis time. And he tasted, he tasted, it's okay. He, <laughs> he went and saw his future at age 40, which like rebooted his 40s, right? Like, that's where we're going. This is going to be so amazing. And instead of 
spending all the energy moving into the promise, he had to be stuck with people. And so his 45 years of just remembering the promise that was spoken to him by Moses. It is now 45 years since God spoke this word to Moses. Years in which Israel wandered in the wilderness. And here I am today. I'm as strong. Oh, no, no, no. I missed one, one big thing. Here I am today. 85 years old. In association with I'm as strong as I was the day Moses sent me. I'm as strong as ever in battle, whether coming or going. So give me this hill country that God promised me. You yourself heard the report and the, and the Ankims. The Anakims were there with their great fortress cities. If God goes with me, I will drive them out just as God said. And a lot of us, we get stuck on age. He's 85. What do you mean he was just as strong as he was 45? Passion, my friends. Passion. Passion to see the promise that was promised come, become reality in his life. Passion is not about how old you are. Passion is about where your heart is. This is why you can be around people who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, or 70s, and they'll be more passionate about life than the 20-year-old who all they do is binge-watch and, and watch and, wa and play video games and, and be offended. And maybe you're looking at this whole story and saying, well, I ain't no jo Joshua. Yeah, you're not. Bible says that God sent someone greater than Joshua, and that greater one lives in you. So you're greater than Joshua. Amen. So it doesn't matter what you've lost. God is in the business of walking with you to take your passion back and then give you more Amen. you have to believe that yeah. you have to believe that i'm gonna wrap up with this we are called to be people of passion we can preach and talk about this over and over again and quote scripture and say i read my bible plan i go to church i worship but passion is contagious but we can't forget that apathy is infectious when you're on people who are apathetic you'll be infected with apathy and they'll go at your passion this so this is why I said in the beginning there are some relationships there are some people that you need to cut out of your life because they are infecting you with apathy you need to surround yourself with people who are passionate, passionate about life, passionate about business, passionate about bettering themselves, passionate about their family, passionate, passionate about their spouses and their marriage, passionate about the future for their kids, passionate about what God, passionate about reach, reaching the city for, for, for God, passionate about eternal life, passionate about being influential, passionate about seeing broken people come back to whole people, surround yourself with people who are going somewhere passionately. We have to reevaluate where we are and say, God, 
I'm not doing this moving forward. John chapter 2 verses 15 through 17 says this, Jesus put together a whip out of, of strips of leather and chased them out of the temple, stampeding the sheep and cattle, upending the tables of the lone sharks, spilling coins left and right. And he told the dove merchants, get your things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a shopping mall. That's when his disciples remembered the scripture, zeal for your house has consumed me. And in a way, this is talking about what we've done with church. As we come together we've just made this into a religious checklist making it optional come and go as we please and we have lost zeal for what's happening here and we tell our kids another thing and those who work with us look at our life and they're like I don't want to go to your church I don't want to be part of your community why you have no zeal for it you're more passionate about Game of Thrones seasons <laughs> You're passionate about football season. You're passionate about restoration of cars. You're more, you are more passionate about your career than you are about God. You are more passionate about the gifts that God has given you than the gift giver himself. So I'm not saying that passion and zeal that you, you know, we don't need to have that. We need to have that, but it has to be appropriated to say, what are you going to have zeal for at the center of your life? We read, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Have passion for the kingdom of God. Have zeal for the things of God, for the kingdom of God. Go after the kingdom of God with all that you have and watch God line everything else that you need for godliness and this life around you. He will do it. He will do it. But it goes even deeper than that. 1 Corinthians. We know John 3.16. Remember 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you realize that together you have become God's inner sanctuary and that the Spirit of God makes His permanent home in you. So when Jesus is saying that He has zeal for the house, He's also talking about you. We think of Jesus came to save the world, but we have to redefine that right now because what we need to say is Jesus came to save me. He had zeal and passion to save me. All the things that Jesus did, all the things that Jesus said, all the things that Jesus suffered through was for me. His zeal, His promised land was to see this relationship between the lost and His Father come together. It's a sobering thought. It's a sobering thought when we think of the fact that Jesus suffered not just to die on the cross because we see that he, he suffered on the cross, right? We identify with, with that. But he suffered just by coming to earth, leaving perfection, leaving all of who he is as God, submitting himself to the things of his creation. 
and not just for a second but for 30 years he lived a single life <laughs> he never got married he had people in his life who betrayed him who stole from him who lied about him and then he had the same people that he was passionate for end up killing him and this is why Satan tempted him while he was in his desert sitting there on a cross laying there on a cross even before the cross you know he was the Satan's like you know come on Jesus get with it and then he used people you know while he was at the cross if you're the son of God then do something but Jesus was seeing his resurrection he was seeing the promised land and so he was able to suffer through whatever he needed to suffer through because he had his eyes not where he was on the in the desert area but the promise the promise of resurrection the promise of eternal life the promise of hope I'm gonna read one more passage and I'm gonna be done oh this is so good so good okay mark 11 chapter 24 through 25 Jesus was a matter of fact embrace this God life if you heard nothing else internalize this embrace this God life really embrace it and nothing nothing will be too much for you wow that's like water in the desert this mountain for instance just say go jump in the lake no shuffling or shilly shallying those are not Hebrew terms that's American terms and it's a and it's as good as done that's why I urge you to pray for absolutely everything ranging from small to large verse 25 include everything as you embrace this God giving life and you'll get God's everything but God is saying go after me and you'll receive all that I have because it's true whatever you go after you will receive what you're going after and when you assume the posture of prayer remember remember that it's not all asking if you have anything against someone forgive only then will your heavenly father be inclined to also wipe your slate clean of sin this goes back to this to this place to say God has given us everything but this still goes dives into this thing of sin right you've missed the mark there's something in our life that has taken over our passion for God forgiveness is huge some people don't forgive and I know it's not a message on forgiveness but just as an, as, as an example people are walking and carrying unforgiveness in their life and so they have they're losing apathy uh, losing passion for the things of God because they're too busy caring and being passionate about unforgiveness oh but God but God sent Jesus to show us that you can suffer through anything when you realize the direction that you're going and that's why the Bible says with all with God all things are possible what if today we made a decision to make Jesus our passion like what would change in your life if you said Jesus is gonna become my passion would you be okay with not working so much on your career and on your business would you be okay not spending so much time with your kids would you be okay not watching the shows that you're already watching and are wanting to finish would you be okay 
losing some sleep? Would you be okay? What are you willing to suffer through? And what if Jesus' people were passionate about Jesus as much as Jesus was passionate about his people? So zero to 10, apathy, passion. You don't have to stay here. There's always more for God. That there's always more that God has for us. So let's everybody stand on our on our feet. And I'm gonna pray and we're gonna sing. You know what? We're gonna take a minute or two. I'm gonna have you guys pray. So don't wait for someone to pray. You pray. And even if your words are like, God, I have nothing to say, start there. Start there. If you have to close your eyes, you close your eyes. If you have to kneel, you can kneel. If you want to sit, you can sit. If you want to bury your face in your hand, you can bury your face in your hand. If you want to bury your face on someone's uh, shoulder, you can do that. Just right now, in this very moment, don't let this be just lip service to God. Let's do a real life gut check. And where we have failed, where we have sinned, where we have missed the mark, the simplest thing to do is to say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me for not chasing you like you chase me. God, forgive me for putting my business above you. God, forgive me for putting my family above you. Forgive me, Father, for putting my entertainment above you. Forgive me for putting my work above you. For, forgive me for putting my physical body above you. Forgive me for putting church above you and ministry above you. Forgive me for putting religious acts above you. trigger passion and zeal for you let this be a mark in our lives this Sunday today that becomes a defining moment of where we throw our zeal and passion to Let's just stay here for just a moment. Continue talking with God. Continue sharing your heart with Him. He's listening. He's so listening.